Welcome to Spellstorm Miniatures, a podcast about miniature wargaming, including War Machine and Hordes by Privateer Press. We want to inspire you to play more. to episode 21 of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah. I'm Dan. And this is Chad. And we have a very exciting episode for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about choosing a paint scheme for our armies. And we have some um, pretty uh, excellent uh, painters. Um, well, at least two of us are pretty good at it. And, um, and so we're excited to actually just talk about this topic in general. And some of us are actually starting new armies. And so this is a relevant topic. So we're excited to uh, to bring that to you today. Uh, but first, uh, you guys play any games? Yeah, uh, I haven't done miniature games, but as far as card games, I've got some Lord of the Ring trading card game in. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that was the, uh, you know, back in 2001 release and then, you know. That was Decipher. Yeah, Decipher. Yeah. And I don't think anything's been released for several, several years. So, but, but it's so much fun to go back and look at the old cards right. and look at your old deck that you made, and you're like, oh yeah, this game, this was the best. I've looked at this in eight years, and oh, how does this work again? Oh yeah. Well, true story, I think it was one of the finest collectible card games out there. Right. And obviously I like the IP, but like the win structure, how it presented three opportunities to yeah. win, uh, made it very dynamic and unique. Yeah, definitely different from a lot of other CCGs yeah. that are out there. Having yeah. multiple avenues of victory. Yeah, like they're it's technically like that in Magic, but one of the one of the win victories is uh, is milling your opponent's deck out, or like milling a deck out, which can yeah. be more difficult to do. Yeah, like it's you specifically have to build your deck for it. Yeah, well, and that's how the loader worked. Is yeah. you, you know you could build your deck to target a certain win condition, yeah. and so one win condition is getting to site nine. So my goal was to make the fastest Rohan army I could make, and with mounts and certain event cards, it was, it was, it was pretty stellar. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is, is you have to live. You have to get to site nine and live. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a ring bear. It's <laughs> not a ring bear. Has to live. Not just a race. Yeah. A so anyway. Um, what about you? Are you playing any games lately? Uh, I did actually play some non-war machine games. I got to play a game against uh, a game of Mopak against um, Justin, one of the regulars at the store. Uh, he is actually brand new to miniatures games in general. He played Magic and I think some other games for years, but he'd never done any miniatures gaming. Hmm. Uh, so he's brand new to Monpok. He's playing Destroyers. Uh, he played Thugrash and Gorgadra, and I played uh, Defender X and Sky Sentinel. And we got it down to, it was kind of a long, very cagey game for a little while. But eventually he did take out Defender X, and I took out Thugrash. And he had Gorgadra, who I think was unhurt, and I had Sky mm. Sentinel, who was unhurt. And I think maybe if I played really, really smart with the Strike Fighters, I probably could have won the game, but we ended up calling it because I was like, I gotta get going, and this is gonna be such a long and drawn out and cagey game that I think you're going to win, just because like as I'm constantly hurting Gorgadra, he's constantly getting power dice. Yeah. And then as soon as he gets into hyperform, if I start doing if I start taking a turn to clear out his units, 
um, they also get riled when he goes into hyperform, so he gets power dice from that too. And I was like, I think it. I, I think I can maybe chip away at you and do some damage, but I think by the time you get to me, I think it's just hmm. it's just downhill from there. And I was yeah. like, we don't have time to play this KG yeah. game. I need to get going. Yeah, super damage too when he's hyper, right? Exactly yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So now that was that was the Wednesday night, right? Yeah, I, that I was, was Wednesday last I was right next to you. Yeah, and I, I played my very first Monpot game. Ever right. against Oz, so uh, I asked Oz to be my teacher, yeah. and then of course uh, Phil was there too, yeah. and so Phil was able to offer some suggestions um, for strategy and things like that. Yeah. But we just played a one monster game. Um, I can't remember the name of my monster. You played Gorgadra. I played Gorgadra. Yeah, and you played you played the Destroyer starter box, and then oh, you okay. played Hammerclack. That's what it was. Yeah, and um, and I had a great time destroying buildings and yeah. and whatnot and. Uh, and I was one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, he's he's oh, got a lot game. of games under his belt. Yeah. I can't tell you how he won because I don't remember. But yeah. I was one. <laughs> you were low health and he body slammed you into a building for three damage. There it is. I like how it I, I did look over and catch the tail end of that because Oz was like, I think I'm just going to beat you right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to beat you right now. And I was like, yeah. All right. Well. Well, uh, and you know Oz, he likes to talk smack. So. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Uh, I also got to play a game, a three-way game of Song of Ice and Fire last Friday, too, um, against Remy and then his friend Judy, who plays Free Folk. And so that was my first experience playing against Free Folk. Um, it was really interesting. Uh, Mance Raider is a jerk. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, Judy immediately put Mance on the missive spot and put two condition tokens onto my Stark Umber Berserkers. And was just constantly keeping them pinned down with either two or three uh, different conditions. And so they were very, very ineffective. And then the final round of the game, um, or like one of the, close to the end of the game, it was like the second to last round, I finally got to activate them before Mance was on them. And I had gotten to clear, I think, one or two of the condition tokens. So they were actually at full force. Okay. And I managed to get a round of attacks. And if her giant had failed, <laughs> I made her giant. I made her giant vulnerable, and made her re-roll the two successes. But she re-rolled them into successes. Still, if she had failed those, I would have killed him. I would have killed the giant. But nice. I left him at one hit point, and then she just finished off the berserkers. Oh, well, that's when he's most powerful. Yeah, yeah. So was it a did did um. The free folk player, uh, who, who who's playing it? Judy. Judy. Um, did Judy have a combined arms, or was it like it was a mix of giants and stuff, or was she only, it? She only had one giant. One giant. She had, I think. There, were, I think there was a followers of bone. Okay, was, I don't have those yet. I think two or three units of just regular free folk raiders. Okay. Oh, there was the savage cave dwellers with torment. Was one yes. Oh, nice. Okay. And uh, and then she had, I think, two units of either Spearwives. They may have been Spearwives because she only had, I think, five or six units. Okay. In a 40-point game. Okay. Plus two okay. NPCs. Okay. But she was playing the the lady. I don't know who the character is. Val. Oh, Val. Yeah. yeah she was yeah. playing Val and then also Mance Raider. Nice. And it was, nice. A, pretty, it was a pretty nasty combo. Yeah. Um, but I was playing Starks with Umber Berserkers. Um, Eddard 
uh, house guard unit, the special house guard unit, um, mm-hmm. with Eddard attached, a regular unit of sworn, um, Stark sworn swords, a unit of cav, uh, and two, um, two NPCs. I actually was not running any, uh, dire wolves at all, hmm. which is, I think, uncommon for Starks. Yeah, I was going to say, um, so with the, with the NPC, uh, track, there were three players. Yeah. How many total... Um, I think Remy was only playing with one NPC. Okay, and she and had two. Val and I both had two. So, so that's one, five. So yeah. there's a little one slot for everyone. Yeah, Okay. pretty much. Because that could have been a challenge. Yeah, if well, you, I, think, yeah. I think that would have made it also really interesting of like gauging when... Yeah. We all had two, and there's only five spots. One person's going to be the odd man out. And it's like, when, when do you take that position? When do you give up a unit activation to be able to claim something on the board you want to make sure that you get? Right. And I think it would have made it interesting. But Remy just decided to play one NPC down. Okay. Um, okay. All right. But yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. It was a slog. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were just playing, you know, we were just playing a straight destroy game because Judy and I have only played a handful of games. Yeah. But it was really interesting. Nice. I got a couple other uh, non-war machine games in. Um, the, the last couple of weeks, um, I got to teach my friend Josh how to play uh, Warhammer Underworlds, uh, which I'm v- very excited about. We yeah. um, he, he he was interested anyway in playing the full game of Age of Sigmar, and the hobby side of him, uh, he's still kind of learning. I mean, all new miniature players, you know, they yeah. you know you don't really understand what you're getting into until you really kind of get into it. Yeah. And so, so I, so I stepped him back a, a minute, and I was like, "Okay, here's a way for you to get into the game and play the army that you want to play, um, but it's a little easier for you." And so we bought, he bought the Night Vault um, starter, yeah. and and we just sat right there in the store, and I put together his uh, Thornbriars, and then he put together his Stormcast Eternals, and then we bust out the game right there and played. Yeah. And and because and because they're push fit, you don't even need glue. Yeah. They go together so perfect. Yeah, some of those and, easy to build ones. Yeah. are really nice. Like yeah, the mythic blight hauler. I think I assembled, assembled and put it on a base in like twenty five minutes or something like that. Yeah, with zero glue. Zero glue, and you know, and plus he got plus he got to play with his miniatures, and, and it was a fun game too. It was, yeah. it was it was pretty exciting, and um and so he. I think what he's going to do is he's going to buy a few more of those um, because I actually have those kits for the Stormcast Eternals um, in the full in the Age of Sigmar section of, of the store, and so um, so I think it'll it'll help him kind of flesh out his army a little bit more. And our goal is to play 750 together at some point soon when he's ready for that. So uh, speaking of Age of Sigmar, I also got uh, two games in with Oz, uh, so we played. Um, I think the first game he played um, uh, Fire Slayers, and I was running Nurgle. Yeah. And then in the second game, he was running Nurgle, and I was running Slaves of Darkness. So I kind of surprised him because I have a unit of the uh, of the um, the mounted Chaos Warriors, mm. the ones with javelins, and so they have a range attack and a two inch threat on their charge. Okay. And so. Um, and so I was able to flank pretty hard because they're also pretty fast, and it's so he he didn't expect that one. <laughs> but uh, oh, and and oh, and I got my second Monpot game in. Um, 
Yeah, so we, we went down to Next Level Gaming on Saturday to participate in the War Machine Tournament. And so in the first round, I got a buy, and Matt was running it, and he had brought his Monpox stuff. And so and, he, and some of the stuff I think he got from Richard. And so, oh, nice. uh, yeah, so I think I, a Pterosaur? Is that yeah. Pterosaur, Terracon. Terracon. Yeah. Uh, Richards, I was using that monster. Yeah. And so we played a single monster game. And um, we didn't finish because the round ended, um, but his monster was on one health, and wow. uh, mine had like four. And so there's a good chance that I was going to pull that one out. <laughs> so uh, he, pulled pre- he made a pretty risky move coming across the volcano um, early on to do some power attack, which... Um, I don't remember the name of the power attack, but it was pretty effective. Got rid of a bunch of my units. Oh, uh, stomp. Apparently. Probably. Is it like Rampage where he actually gets to move and... Yeah. Did he, did he move? Oh, yeah, anyway. He moved and he destroyed okay, yeah. units. So whatever that was, he okay. did. Well, and, a Rampage is just like a trample in War Machine. So yeah. if it looked yeah. similar to that, that's what the power attack was. If it was like he moved up next to a bunch of them and... Uh, made an attack that's a stomp. It's basically like that's a what he thresher. Did. Okay. It's basically like a 360 thresher. That's what he did. He basically yeah. did the thresher one, the the stomp, I guess. So <laughs> that's the thing is I'm I'm going to start learning some of the things. And there was like, in, is it the body slam where you pick them up and yeah. you put them adjacent? Yes. So if I was aware of that maneuver, I would have won the game yeah. outright not, for sure. Adjacent. I thought it's but, well, it's um, it's it's, it's flush. It's anywhere, yeah. Base to base, uh, aligned. Yeah. yeah. So so he was over here, um, a kind of front, and if I would have body slammed him to my right side, it would have put him back into some fire, yeah. And that would have killed him right away. Two damage. Yeah. Right. So and I was doing and I was in hyper mode doing super damage or something, and so yeah. like I had enough to if I would have remembered that maneuver, I would have went outright, but I didn't. Well, that's how Ozzy so. beat you. He body slammed you into a building. Yeah, well, my memory is really good. <laughs> so. <laughs> it was crammed so full of some yeah. games. So. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Uh, and so anyway, so speaking of uh, that tournament down in Salem, um, that means I also got in some War Machine games. Uh, and so that makes me really happy. So, I've been doing a bunch of lists since the New Thief Forces came out. Nice. And I've been throwing them at James, who has not been responding very much. Oh. <laughs> he, he was just busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a bunch of weird lists and cool. things like that, doing different stuff, but I yeah. haven't gotten to play a game yet. So I was running, um, I've been dojo, dojoing some things too. Um, I'm not very good at that part of the game. I know that I know some guys who can just spend hours on their phone and come up with like crazy combinations and stuff. Um, I don't, my brain doesn't think like that um, necessarily. Yeah. And so um, so I was running Makeda in the, Disciple, in the New Disciples of Agony. Um, and I realized that I need to alter the list. I played Connor in round two at, at, um, at Salem, and um, I realized that I need to alter the list. If I'm going to run Makeda one, I need more dudes and less beasts. Um, yes, in order, yes. yeah. So for that, for that list, and so, um, so that was a really good feedback. I had a great game against Connor. He was running uh, Gareth two, and I and I asked him if. Oh, I forgot to ask him, actually, if he was going to put our game up on his YouTube page. He was taking photos. Okay. And so uh, Gareth has more mobility than I expected. And I had one assassination run against Gareth, and I left him on three boxes. And he was able to counterpunch pretty effectively and then get out of dodge to avoid my 
counter counter punch um, in case his assassination failed. Um, but his his assassination was successful, and so he he had to remove um, a significant amount of pieces to get to my caster. But he was he did it, and then he got me. Yeah. And so and I, I had shield guarded like three times. Like I, I I used all my shield guards available that round, and um, and he he got me. So yeah. it was it was I thought it was a pretty good game. I was kind of scared of his list a little bit because of how much um, his jacks can see. Yeah. You know, and and so I was kind of afraid of, about all that. But um, and scenario going into the final turn, uh, neither one of us had scored on scenario, I don't think. <laughs> and so it was definitely a, it was definitely a, a it was a fun game to play. So I got another War Machine game in with uh, with Oz. We uh, um, I put for the first time I put a seventy five point Legion list on the table, and I ran Thagrash one and Primal Terrors against uh, Gristle 2 and uh, a bunch of uh, rune shapers? shapers rune shapers yeah Stone dudes yeah. yeah so um, and I did the thing that I always do and when I play warlock for the first time I leave him up too far yeah and uh, and somehow Oz was able to throw a few things at me and assassinate me put me in the dirt I was up 3-0 on scenario I was yeah. feeling pretty good and I was like oh I got this did you remember Thagrosh's minus 2 strength Aura. No. Yeah. Oh, that would have been helpful. Yeah, you yeah. One has a <laughs> uh, in his command enemy models get minus two strength. That would have been uh, very helpful. Yeah, it's <laughs> two less damage on every attack he hits you with if he was punching you. Step one, know your own cards. Uh, oh. Jeremiah, I know this is really hard. Uh, it's a little difficult now too. When you're looking at the card in War Room, if you swipe to the left, if you're looking at it, you can read the abilities on the back of the card. Oh yeah. It's the new turn your cards over. Yeah. Swipe right. Oh. Well, I mentioned before, I'm really good at this game. Oh my goodness. Oh, so good. So it's good. Okay. I, yeah. I gotta rub you, I gotta give you a little bit of a hard time. It's fair. It's, no, it's totally fair. Because it's, like it's my. It's the first time that you. It's my mode, yeah. Especially because we don't have a lot of Legion players around in the area, too. So it's yeah. probably something you haven't played against, so you weren't aware of it either. It's true. There, I have not played against a lot of Legion, and certainly haven't played with, you know. But I think I will be more. <coughs> mm. I know there's some things. So, uh, what about you guys? Getting any War Machine games in? Nope. Yeah, you played Monthlock like instead. Monthlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's still it's still private your press. Still you still win. So, well, why don't we just get to our main topic, I guess? And today we want to talk about choosing a paint scheme. And we have a, a few notes that we've made. But um, does anybody want to start out with um, uh, with kind of a, a direction we want to go? Uh, mine a lot of times is a little freeform and kind of organic when I'm trying to figure something out. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll look for inspiration. Uh, I did this when I was doing when I was painting my Monfox stuff. Is the the guard models look like Gundams? So I wanted to do a Gundam color scheme. Uh, Defender X looks really similar to um, uh, Wing Zero from the Gundam Wing series. And so it's a lot of a lot of white, blues, and reds. And so I took inspiration from that color scheme, and then also the color scheme of the very first Gundam from the first anime series, mm -hmm. uh, and kind of did a little spin on that. And then when I went to do Defender X, or not Defender X, when I went to do Sky Sentinel, I wanted to do another Gundam color scheme, but I didn't want to paint white. 
And so I was looking at some of their options, and again, Gundam Wing was one of the first, I think it was the first Gundam series I ever saw. Uh, but there's the Gundam Epion in there, which is a lot of like dark reds and grays and blacks and stuff like that. And so I looked at that, and then with his pose, he also kind of looks like Shining Gundam, uh, which has like a burning like a burning hand attack, basically, where it gets like super, super hot and like melts metal and stuff. And with his pose, he's like punching with one fist forward. So I painted his hand and cut, tried to do a glowing effect to not great effect. Um, but I did, yeah, a lot of reds and dark grays and things like that for his color scheme. Nice. So one idea is look out at the it's, world yeah. and see something you like. And, art, yeah, art inspiration. Yeah. Art inspiration. Like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've taken that approach on some things too, like... Uh, like my Montauk uh, Martian Menace is like pretty much I had an idea of something I wanted to paint and then they actually yeah. kind of just fit it. Yeah. So even though I didn't know much about the game or those specific models, I was like, I'm going to buy those and I'm going to paint them in this scheme. Yeah. Um, but other ones, like sometimes with like a lot of the War Machine ones, at least I know with my, my Signar and stuff, if I, I usually try to stick a little more canon, mm -hmm. you know, to studio scheme for a couple of reasons. One, it's easy to see, hey, that looks and goes together. Yeah. It looks yeah. good. And then, uh, two, if you know you buy used or if you end up selling, it's sometimes easier on that on that direction as well. But I tend to go towards a lot of the lighter schemes, like the lighter, lighter colors instead of going darker, a little, hmm. more, a little more warm palette, except for I find sometimes I'm painting a lot of brown. But <laughs> just because <laughs> of, like, all the leather on some of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when I first started painting, um, the thing that I wanted to do was stick as close to the studio as possible. And so I would Google, you know, for an image, and I would have it on my phone next to my model while I was painting and things like that. But there were a couple models where I just wanted to experiment and, and totally just stepped out of, um, like what I thought they wanted to be, well, like what I thought they should be. I, yeah. I wanted it differently. And so my Greylord Ford Seer, for example, um, I, I wanted him to have this gorgeous, like blue violet cape. And, and so that's what I gave him. And I, I thought it was one of the best parts of the model. That's pretty cool. I haven't seen that. Well, now I yeah, get to. Now, yeah, you might get to. <laughs> Someone has it. <laughs> But, it's sitting in a it's sitting in yeah. a vat of green stuff right now. Or, uh, <laughs> simple green right now. Oh no, that'd be so tragic. <laughs> that'd be so tragic. Um, but I've done. Uh, but I actually on the experimenting thing. Um, I've I've liked experimenting with with models before. Like, so my I had two mercenaries that I was kind of playing around with. One of them was um, the guy with the gun uh, that shoots fourteen, and it's uh, Alton Ashley. Kale Yeah. So when I painted Kel Baylock, um, the thing I was experimenting with, and, and this puts me ahead of GW, by the way, because, you know, contrast <laughs> paints weren't out yet. Um, I did his entire uh, model with washes, yeah. except for I did paint brown on um, the whole of uh, the gun. Yeah, and so, stock. yeah, the stock, that's the word I'm looking for. And then, and then I did paint gun metal on this for the metal. But um, but everything else was done completely in washes, and it's I thought it turned out really great. It's one of my most favorite models I've ever painted, and I tried doing the same thing with Ayana and Holt, as well. Um, but that's more of like technique, and not really scheme. So yeah. I'm totally getting off topic. But 
Well, you're just going to a different part of the topic. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's something we're going to get to anyway is different techniques and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, that could be one of the things, too, when you're thinking about your scheme is how much time do you have to paint it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is if you're trying to go for a quick deal, then, you know, maybe... You're gonna to want to choose simpler colors. I know I usually like I'm gonna I'm gonna speed paint this. I'm gonna choose four colors and just go with it. And the next thing I know, when I'm done, it's like eight, nine, ten colors yeah, later. Ten colors I'm like, yeah. oh wow, that didn't work out how I thought it was going to. Yeah. But I frequently do that when um, a bunch of my Death Guard stuff that I have painted is on display in the case at work, and I talk about it a lot because it's right next to the register. So. Uh, like I tell people, oh yeah, they're like, oh man, these things look really good. And I'm like, oh thanks. Like it's actually, they're like, man, I wish I could paint. And I'm like, honestly, like, you can. I you can. I was like, I've been doing a very quick and dirty technique that's very effective for like tabletop distance. And and frequently I'm like, oh, that's only like five colors. And I'm like, wait, no, it's actually it's nine. It's nine. There's there's nine different oh. colors. There. <laughs> Never mind. There's nine different colors there. But you know, it's not it's not that complex. You can yeah. do better with five. Yeah. 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 I probably could have. the The nitty gritty is you get the nitty gritty is like the small accent colors you do for odds and end things because it's like yeah. it's really only like probably about four colors, which is it's like the green for the armor, the red for the cloth, the metallics for the weapons, and like any of the like some of the models have like chainmail, and then it's the um. There's two other colors. There's purple if there's any like ten if there's any like of the tentacle looking growths coming out from underneath the armor, like bursting out of the armor. Uh, use a color for that. And then for any of the spikes that come out, I do a different color mm -hmm. because it's more like it's more like a hardened bone rather than something that's still like organic. Yeah. I do a different color for that. So there's really only five base colors, but then there's some other like weird accents of if there's any like boils or if there's any like leaking ooze or anything like that i use a different color for that yeah or if there's like a, a radical on a helmet or something i'll use a, a different like color for that so that it pops a little bit differently but um and then i just wash the whole thing in agarax earthshade so then it makes it look so much better <laughs> so yeah you both you guys said kind of the same thing just in kind of different ways and that's and that's t looking at similar parts of your models especially if you're doing like kind of one army and and so so for example i think i have uh two scythians two carnivians two ravagors mm -hmm. and and i'm going to paint their flesh different colors but like the carapace is all going to be the same color yeah. um, you know for all of them and yeah. you know and the spikes that come out of their back and things like that and so that's how you'll be able to tell them apart when you're playing me on the table but um, but they'll still look kind of uniform. How are you going to decide which colors you're doing for the flesh? So, honestly, when I look at the Legion um, War Beasts, all I see are bright, fun colors. And so I'm thinking, like, um, it's silly, but pink and purple and, and a green and a blue and a red and, you know, and, um, and I... And I mean, I just I, I just want it to be fun, um, and and I want them all to kind of stand out. I'm kind of jealous of some of the Grimkin painters in our area, because they get these gorgeous models. I think the Grimkin army is designed for hobbyists, and so many of them are coming up with some really fun paint schemes and you know three different clockatrices yeah. that are all different but they still look uniform and yeah. things like that so well they're also just a very unique faction too because they're 
they're some of the most recent models for one, and for two, uh, just the way that they are created because they're fairy tale horrors. Yeah. Whereas the Legion War Beasts are a lot of those are older designs. They might be a little bit pigeonholed, especially yeah. the the Ravagor Carnivore Car- Carnivian and Scythian chassis are all. I feel like a little bit pigeonholed in the way that their design is. Um, yeah, it's a pretty simple. The body Very pose simple. is the same. The only difference yeah. is their main arms. And their head, yeah. And their head, and, yeah. Um, those ones are supposed to be, you know, they're dragon spawn. So, like, the thought of those is that they're created uh, on a mass quantity. Kind of yeah. like the similar like similar thing with uh, Circle, with the Pureblood, the Stalker, and the Feral all have very similar bodies like their arms are a little bit different and some of them are a little bit like the difference between the feral and a pure blood is very small if you don't do different color schemes hmm. because unless you know exactly what you're looking for for the differences they look almost exactly the same yeah because they're not holding any weapons but the feral has armor plates like on the back of its hands and on its forearms uh where the pure blood doesn't but it has armor plating like along the back of its neck yeah it's, yeah. it's very, very different. And that's one of those things that I think, like, the color scheme you can use to differentiate yeah. what the different models look like. So you could do something kind of opposite of that, too. Um, like the, my Cephalix, um, I have, like, a million dredges, right? Mm-hmm. And each unit of the dredges, um, their skin is all the same. The only difference is, like, their loincloth. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a, a unit with green loincloth and a unit with red loincloth yeah. and a unit with purple loincloth. Yeah, and so that a lot sometimes, especially yeah. with infantry spam lists. Yeah, yeah, and that and I help separate all my dredges as I right. throw sixty or seventy at you. Yeah, but, so I, I did some similar with my gators. It's kind of made the back spine a little bit different. Where like most of them were green except for one unit, which I guess is the other way. You know, like I said, when you're thinking about this, is you kind of look at the lore. You kind of just look to hey, what would be fun to put on this. Or, like, some might have been, like, okay, I want to do, like, you know, these guys are all going to be, like, a lava theme. Well, that kind of starts dictating towards where my colors are going to be and right. where I'm going. So I have, like, one unit of gators that are, like, dredging through lava. Like, that's their environment, so that's yeah. kind of how they've adapted to it or okay. something like that. Or, like, the, a lot of my troll bloods when I've been doing the Northkin lists is doing that more of a paley blue and trying to think, okay, they're probably generally in the winter or or something like that or snowy so how do I adapt them to that environment and now I'm going to choose a scheme that closely resembles that for example that's a really cool idea adding like a story element to what you're painting Um, I wonder have you guys ever you know warlocks and certain war beasts uh, character war beasts are bonded and same thing with some you know some um, uh, you know war casters and their and their war jacks have you ever done anything to make that bond look on like to, re- to be represented on the table and in, in the way that you paint your models i have not actually hmm. that's a good idea though. uh that is yeah no that is a really good idea to do um no i haven't i haven't done that i a lot of my stuff is just in a uniform color scheme and my yeah. circle is actually an alternate color scheme compared to what the uh, studio scheme is instead of being a lot of like greens and brass and uh, brighter like spring colors uh, mine are actually very darker colors it's a uh, the robes are all black um, the armor is done in blue with a lighter blue highlighting 
so it's a much colder scheme. And I came, uh, I did that, I came across it um, years ago. I was painting a unit of Skinwalkers, and I hadn't done very much painting. This is actually the beginning of my painting, um, my painting life is uh, I was hanging out with myself. It was myself, my buddy Josh, one other person, and uh, James Slager, who's not part of the community as much anymore. Um, and we were sitting around trying to paint models for the very first I-5. And I was playing on a team and I, you know, I think I was playing on James's team and he wanted, no, I was on a different Portland team. Uh, but we wanted everyone to have fully painted lists and my stuff wasn't painted. So, you know, the thing that James, I was sitting there and I had like analysis paralysis. I was like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what color to do, you know, or anything. And James was like, just grab a color and start putting it on the model. Just go, just grab a color and go. That's Whatever good advice. Whatever you think would look cool. Yeah. Like just go like look at a certain part of the model and just grab a color and start painting. And I was like, okay, well I'm painting a skinwalker, which are like half wolf dudes. Uh, I've always really liked gray wolves, so let's put gray, let's let's do gray fur. And so I did gray fur, blue armor for something different, black for the cloaks. I do a white trim for the fur that's on the cloaks. And then the metallics are generally, um, you know, just a silver, a tarnished silver, which I have a different technique um, to make it look tarnished. Uh, and then eventually I, like once we got done with that, I think we did a wash in Agrax and then we did dry brushing and I just took a lighter blue I use underbelly blue as my dry brush highlight or my dry brusher over top of the gray fur and then also over top of the armor so I get a lighter blue over top of the blue armor and then the gray and the fur and it adds a lot of layers to the fur too nice and then another lighter dry brush sometimes with a metal white highlight to give a, a brighter contrast so a little bit more depth to the fur too I like that but that was, you know, basically how I started. And the other stuff that I did, I painted another random assortment, a random smattering of some different color schemes. And I'm working on getting everything uniform in all of my circle on me. Yeah. And the majority of it is already painted. The majority of it's already done in the color scheme. My blood trackers, I need to go back and repaint. Uh, I've actually, um, I purchased a second Kruger two, so that I could paint him in my in my color scheme instead of the regular mm. color scheme that I did before, because I didn't want to strip the model because I I felt like it looked good, it with like greens and yellows and stuff yeah. like that instead. Um, I didn't want to strip the model, uh, and then I I do some pretty standard colors for like the leathers and stuff like that for like yeah. belts and things. That's that's a good I um, that's a good notion right there, like paying attention to how the rest of the army is going to look and yeah. things. One of the things that we can do too to make our armies look uniform is we can base them all the same. Yeah. So I have a Malifaux crew that um, I bought these base inserts from Death Ray Designs and I think they're really great and they fit right in the middle of the base and so the entire crew is going to be mounted on, on that insert yeah. and it's going to be painted the same and that's how you know that, that they're together. A bunch so. of my circle stuff had uh, resin bases that had been made by Sammy and Coleman in the community. And then when I ran out of those, I had to start basing my own stuff with other things. And I just used like simple gravel and tufts. Yeah. Um, so about half of my army, more than half of my army at this point is based that way. And then a handful of other stuff is based on those other things. But yeah. 
and in, and in War Machine, the other thing that I do is I, I paint the arcs the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, and that's, that's really interesting when you, when you like, because when you get lots and you get used models from other, other players, you know, their arcs or their bases are different. And so, at least if the arc is the same, at first glance, it looks like it all belongs to the same army. Yeah. Funny, funny story about that is that I, I paint the, mine just black and white. So the back of the arc is white. And then the front of the arc is just black. And Harry actually does the opposite. He does a black back and a white front. And it's really funny when we play against each other because he constantly thinks that my stuff is turned around backwards because he's used to looking at his own stuff. He's like, so I'm in their back arc, right? And I'm like, no, you're in the front arc, Harry. I do black on the front of my base. He's like, oh, that's right. I keep forgetting because I keep looking at my stuff. And it looks... I know I'm looking at the back of my models, and I think I'm looking at the back of your models by looking at the bases. That's really funny. <laughs> That's really funny. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I know a lot of people do their arcs in different ways. Like, I usually try to keep mine, like, like as I go uniform as well, but like, oh, you know, Signar, Trollbloods, they're kind of like a blue, or I get the picture like Kador, Scorn, Red, like, again, kind of going back to that yeah. main thing, and, and the arc yeah. looks different. Like I said, you, you freeform it, and you kind of go after yours and like oh hey this is how i kind of like just start painting right yeah. that's that's a hard thing to just do just pick a color and go yeah i'm very kind of analytical like i got my color wheel you know i even have it here for some reference but like <laughs> you know it's like i always kind of sit that out because like i might think of a color like okay they're going to be a, a green skin or what's their primarily you know yeah. they're, they're primarily a blue armor okay what's going to look good with with blue right you know and well, well, Dan, okay. put some tea to that. Um, you have yeah. your color wheel in front of you. I do. What, what <laughs> colors go well together um, that, that look appealing to you? Well, yeah, so that's kind of one of those things is, is learning early on, too, like what colors really go with what. Um, all color theory can go into it, and there's many people who talk much more educated, educational. <laughs> there are people who know a lot about this. I'm going to use that as a technique. Yes. A lot more technical. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, like I said, like blue, right? If you want to go really opposite of that, make it pop, it'd be like an orange. Yeah. Right. And that's something I wouldn't even think about, like, you know, putting on a bit of orange there, but maybe as like a highlight or something yeah. to pop it. You know, I tend to, to split mine a little bit more to either what they call the triad or the split complementary, which you get your main color and then a couple extras like blue would go good with like, say red and yellow or blue could go good with like a yellow orange and a reddish orange. Um, those sort of things. And I started picking those up and like, you just kind of look at that and go, oh wait, you know, I know green and red play well off of each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that triad idea, that's a new idea for me. Uh, yeah. Um, where did you, where did you learn from that? Or yeah. where'd you pick that up on? Well, one, when I'm trying to learn some of it, you know, like I said, guys out there that speak about it. And then also just on the color wheel itself, it uh, gives a nice layout. Um, you even got the tetrad, which is like a four color scheme and everything like that huh. so it's like literally on my color wheel that just pretty much tells me these will look good together naturally of just how the eye goes yeah even though i may not think about it like the blue and the yellow may not come to mind right away but then like i said you start thinking about it and you can look around and be like oh there's other you know there's companies and characters and teams that use blue and yellow yeah. or something like that yeah you or know blue and gold. yeah exactly the gold which is really close to that and so it really like oh okay so obviously these companies have paid a lot of money and marketing and everything like that to, yeah. to get their colors for a reason. Someone got paid a lot of money to tell them that these colors look good. Exactly. <laughs> to, to look at their color wheel that I got for two bucks and yeah. say, yes, that'll be 20 yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, See, I, I get overwhelmed by the color choice because, you know, when you go to the store 
and you know Citadel has their display, yes. Privateer Press has their display, you know Vallejo is out there and they have their display and there's so many varieties yeah. of the colors and when I'm painting GW models it's kind of easy because a lot of times they're, they'll name their color based on the army kind of goes with yeah, like, like Nurgle rot or, or corn red, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know that this is going to go on my corn models just yeah. fine, you know? Um, but, but when you start, um, so, so like, but looking at a color wheel and looking at something that, you know, that's a little more theory based, um, can, can help you make a wiser decision. And even if you, and even if you're mixing and matching, you know, uh, paint companies, um, you can still make something yeah. that looks good, right? Yeah. So. so. And sometimes I'll grab a color that I think looks really nice and then find an excuse to put it or use it on a model. Like Sanguine Base was actually an example of that recently. Is that the new color? No, it's not the new one. It's oh. uh, it's one of the ones by Privateer Press. Uh, Scott let me borrow it for a piece that I was doing. Oh, I, I know, I remember what it was. It was for a commission job that I was doing. I needed some of their darker reds for a roguish type character that I was doing. And I used a sanguine base and um, coal black and uh, I think a darker blue or something like that. And then I used a violet wash over top of it and it looked really nice. And uh, and I eventually picked up a pot for myself once we once it came back in stock. And then uh, so I actually used that a lot for Defender X, or not Defender X, gosh, for Sky Sentinel. It's uh, one of the primary red colors is Sanguine, Sanguine Base, Car hmm. Red Base, uh, and then like Coal Black, and yeah. just like a dark gray. And then I think I even splashed a little bit of Gravedigger Denim. It's either Gravedigger Denim or Meridius Blue. So like also kind of a grayish blue color, but it's still opposite, so it's used as an accent in a couple yeah. of spots to be a big contrast. Yeah. Um, that, that's a really yeah. good idea what you just said, though. Sometimes you pick your color scheme on a color that you just love. Yeah. Like, I really like this color, and I want to use it. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make it. There's make. nothing wrong with that. And no, like absolutely one of, not. One of the other things, too, that you can... This is kind of painting-related, but also just miniatures games in general. If you're looking at getting into a miniatures game and you're not sure what you want to play think about like think about the way that the models look and think about what you want to paint or what you would have fun painting or what you would yeah. have fun looking at yeah and then that can also kind of give you a direction for getting into or give you some inspiration for yeah. a color scheme or something like that you're like man i don't know about these mouth guys but they would look super cool with like this certain color scheme i want yeah. to get into them and then learn the game or you know something else I actually have gotten out of armies yeah, because I did not want to paint them. <laughs> so, Is that why you offloaded Jakador? <laughs> no, no. It was my Seraphon army. And okay. I, 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 initially I thought, you know, lizards riding dinosaurs, cool. Yeah, so then I was like, cool. Then I was like, no, I don't want to paint that. <laughs> Done. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's um, what I'm oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say with those, that, that could be one of those armies I could see where you almost kind of start getting pigeonholed into a paint scheme because you're like, Oh, these lizard dudes are going to be like green, or yeah. and then they're going to have a bunch of brown on them. So I'm just going to be painting green and brown all day yeah. long. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's also why we play multiple armies and multiple games. Yeah, because that way we can our our hobby desk can always be changing with with fresh you know uh, projects. Yeah, but uh, what? Yeah. A, and and every now and then I um, I'll grab a piece that I want to try something different with. 
Uh, so an example was I did a, a the Scar Bust by Privateer Press, and I wanted to do it. I already had some ideas of what I wanted to do for the color scheme because I had painted a um, a Scar Three Admiral of the Black Fleet, I think is the name of the model. Um, I had done that as a commission, and the person wanted it in very like nautical color scheme. So that was a lot of fun actually. Uh, I'm really happy with the way it turned out, but it was a lot of uh, bootstrap leather for the wood coal black for a lot of the metal plating on the outside and then I used molten bronze for a lot of the metals and stuff like that and it looked very nice and so I, I replicated something similar to that on the bust that I ended up doing where I used coal black for the jacket um, and then some varying colors for like the different armors and things like that but one of the things that I did differently was with the model's hair and I had played around with this idea of dry brushing for blending Mm. Um, or dry brushing for layering to get different layers instead of using washes. So I primed the model black. I did a heavy dry brush of Cotter Red Base over top of the black primer so that it had a red tint to it. Mm -hmm. And then I dry brushed bootstrap leather over top of that in a lighter way. And then I actually did an even lighter dry brush of mediocre orange just over the very edges to get a very sharp contrast like where the light is hitting. And it, add, it makes a very rich depth of hair coloration with very little effort. Yeah, that's that's really good because no no one's hair is actually the same color yeah. all the way through. Right. Yeah. So that's that's there's, really cool. There's layers to it, and yeah. I did, and I and I got to do it as well without using a bunch of washes or without going through and hand doing a lot of like highlights. And it was a um, it's a quick and easy way to make it look good from tabletop like yeah. distance and. Uh, that's a lot of what my my painting technique is. Is like it's it's quick, it's dirty, and it looks good on the table. <laughs> so that leads me to we have two more questions or two more kind of subtopics to really kind of touch on. Um, and so before we uh, before we get to the the very last one, what you just said leads leads us to one of those that's that we're missing. And are there any shortcuts or are there any tips that that, that you do personally to to try to get it on the table faster? Um, painted lots yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i mean like i guess i'll just finish expanding uh my entire paint scheme is kind of like that uh the way that i paint is primer get my base colors down so like the main parts that i want like armor leather or you know cloth um different accents metallics and then i wash the model and usually in agrax because it's a brown um, it gets into recesses nicely. It still adds the shadow and definition, but then it also kind of dirty stuff up so it looks weathered and used mm. and not shiny and new. Uh, and then I'll do highlighting after that, usually just with some simple dry brushing. But uh, one of the techniques that I use a lot, uh, actually use all the time on metallics, is dry brushing the metallic over top of the black. Mm so that it oh. doesn't get because a weapon like especially if you think about it from the 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 process of like some of these guys have probably been out on the battlefield for a long time it's not like there are people that are constantly like buffing their weapons or like the boilers on the warjacks and stuff like that they're gonna be dirty they're gonna be used and so when you dry brush the metallic over top of a black primer or just over top of black if you prime white and you just paint the section black and then if you just dry brush over top of it, you get sparse coverage. 
and that creates a worn and weathered look. And then if you throw a brown wash over top of it, it makes it look even more dirty. And I use that technique all the time. It's super simple. It's really fast and it's extremely effective. And I do it on all of my metallics. That's pretty great. It looks great. Yeah. That's a good look. And uh, one of the, like a similar technique I've been doing with my death guard is I've been taking the same approach to the green armor. Like they're Nurgle. They don't care if they look pretty, like mm -hmm. they're going to be, they're dirty, they're gross. So I actually, when I'm the green for the armor is the first color that I always do after priming. And I will do it in a similar fashion as I will paint it sparsely or will paint it in a way where like I have less, less paint occasionally in the bristles or more paint occasionally so that there is a differentiation um, in paint coverage hmm. over top of the model. So sometimes the paint looks thinner and there's a little more black and sometimes it's a little heavier. And then when you add the brown wash over top of it, it just makes it look really dirty. And you can see it in some of the, um, the vehicles that I did, like the Mythic Blight Haulers and the Fetid Blight Drones. If you look at them when they're at the store, they are not evenly coated because that's not the way that I wanted them to be. They're gross, they're dirty, they don't care what they look like. Yeah. See, I go even one step further with, with my Nurgle um, for a shortcut. I actually buy the colored primers from Army Painter. Yeah. And so there is a color that is um, that has, has like a greenish-looking thing, and it's kind of light. Yeah. And, and so I'll start there. And so I already have my base color down, essentially. And then I'll highlight some of the flesh, the fleshy wound stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll put base on that because that's yeah. going to be a different color, obviously. You know, pinks and reds and whatnot and purples, as you indicated earlier. And then, um, and then I'll do several layers of wash and dry brush yeah. to get the look that I want. And um, and like I did, I did a set of nurglings like instantly. I, I realized I saw them on the table last week, and I realized I, I forgot to paint the horns. But um, that's I could, I could, how dare you! I know, but I could do that. But um, but but it looks really good, and and it all started with priming and the color that I knew it was yeah. going to be, and then I just used washers and dry brush to get the the depth. I wish I would have done that for the thirty pox uh, walkers that I had to paint. Oh yeah, they're currently primed black. Ooh. Uh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have thought about doing that and primed them like a yeah. like a dirty flesh color or something. But I guess I mean, I've, with the technique, it's probably not going to take me that long to do. Yeah. But I just I've completely sworn off priming in black because I I want brighter models on the table, personally, yeah. and and also I don't have enough light in my house to see. And if it's primed in black, it. There are, there are details that I miss. And yeah. so, but if I prime it in a lighter color, like a white or this like ugly green that I mentioned, or, or even a bone color, I really like a bone color, then, then I can see more of the model. So that's the, see, that's the reason why I do prime in black is because if I do miss something, it blends in more easily with our <laughs> color scheme. Whereas with white, that's if, fair. You miss, if you miss a tiny little corner and you've painted everything else around it, that little white spot sticks out like a sore thumb and it, sometimes it's really difficult to get to if you're just like, I need to put just the tiniest little drop of paint to cover that stupid thing up, but I can't reach it because this part of the arm is in the way. 
And that's the reason why I stopped painting white is I got tired of seeing like little random spots of where that's fair. That's like actually deep recesses. That's a good uh, counterpoint. That's yeah. that was that's fair. I've kind of done both. Go of neutral, yeah. prime gray. <laughs> yeah. Actually, recently a lot of my stuff's been being primed gray, but um, I've done a lot of that where yeah, you use a certain color and like that's easy, especially for the Signar ultramarine blue or yeah. whatever. Um, and then sometimes I've done it too where I just like quickly paint it and then like you look at it and go, it's not a great you know opaque coat. But man, it kind of looks decently worn. Yeah. I can just let that go. Yeah. Um, and then recently, with uh, the whole contrast paint enigma, like you're, you know, mentioned earlier, um, I've actually been playing around with kind of making making an own that's not quite a wash, but you know, in between. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it's going back to priming some stuff. White is for that reason is to be able to just lay that yeah. quick layer on there. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact: sometimes when I get lazy. Uh, I don't paint over the primer. I did that with Defender X for the spots in between like the hips and the legs for that like upper thigh or the upper arm. I didn't paint those. I just left them gray primer. There you go. Oh. But you do like wash over it and stuff. Nope. No, you didn't do even do that. No, I didn't do I didn't oh. wash any of my Monpox stuff actually, except or that's not true. Hmm. No, that is true. I haven't washed any of my Monpox stuff. Hmm. It still looks good. Uh, but yeah, I just did that because I was like, well, I really want this part to be gray and I'm not going to paint gray over top of gray because I'm lazy and it looks fine. Nobody else is going to know unless I say something. Now everyone knows my secret. It's out there now. <laughs> or at least it will be once I post this. To the, yeah. <laughs> to the couple of people in our in our community that listen to it that can give me a hard time about it. Yeah, they'll get poked. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess we kind of have, we touched on a lot of different things about choosing a paint scheme. The last question is sort of maybe can be framed in an ethical way or or whatever, but or an I, IP uh, sort of. But what happens when you're at the store and you look over at the table next to you and someone has this amazingly painted army and you're like, I want to copy that scheme right there. What do you uh, what do you guys do with those thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, recently, actually, uh, one of the one of the locals posted a picture of his Gogadra, and I was like, "Darn, I was thinking about doing a similar paint scheme," <laughs> you know. And, you know, granted, that's not really taking it, and I probably still could, and it'll be fine. But it's just kind of that thing of like, "Oh, wow, someone's already done that. Do I do I want to do that, or do I change?" Yeah. And that's yeah. a that's a real question, you know. I guess still just kind of go with what you love, and you know, you yeah. find the inspiration and. You know, copying's the highest form of flattery, right, they say? Yeah. I think so. There's definitely been times when I've seen something I wanted to replicate and then realized that I maybe don't have the skills to do so. There was someone that posted a picture of a volcanic-themed armadax that had, like, basically it was, like, very dark, like, dark black for the scales and things like that. But, like, the ridges along the back were basically, like, there was lava growing or mm. glowing out from underneath it. It looked fantastic. Um, I would really like to do something like that, but I don't think I have the patience or the skill to do it currently. Um, so I'll just try and find something else. Um, yeah. There's definitely been times where, like, I've seen other paint jobs that were really pretty, very well done, that it maybe inspired me to do certain things like that. Uh, but usually it just kind of inspires me to try... To step up my own game to make my yeah. own paint scheme look different and unique and well done so that somebody else is maybe inspired by it to improve themselves as well yeah and maybe not necessarily copy somebody else i think that's a good that's a good word right there yeah. um i think uh when you see something that you like and i mean that's ultimately in the end it's your army 
and you're going to put on the table and you get to look at yours all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, and you're the one working on it. I think having, um, I think having something to give you inspiration is, is, is fair. And, and it depends on your relationship with the other person, right? If, if you see them a lot, maybe, maybe have a chat with them, but like, uh, but if you, but if it's somebody you don't see very often and you know, they're just someone in yeah, a, it's it, like yeah. you're passing by a con or something like that. Yeah. Then absolutely. Go, go ham. <laughs> it's your army. Get paint on it. <laughs> Muppet army, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway. So what are you guys, uh, what are you guys working on? What's on your, what's on your hobby desk today or this week? Right. I got a few things going. I got too many things going on. That's my problem. But uh, I've got the Montauk, uh, Marshall Menace, um, all primed up. I need to actually get some practice with my airbrush so I can actually paint that. Because um, I want to practice first. I got some uh, Malifaux Gremlins Bayou that I'm building. I'm still working on building up my Infinity. Then start getting those guys all painted. Uh, actually, just finished up a Ma Tucket uh, crew box for Malifaux. Um, which I was giving kind of that, okay, paint scheme real quick. Yeah. I just grabbed a couple colors. I was like, there's a lot of browns, they're green skin. What else can I go with? And I just I just went at it, like, <laughs> had a rough idea, checked the color real, real quick. Back at your regular, your regular paint scheme. Exactly. <laughs> this, whole, yeah. this whole episode, I've heard you complain about Pretty painting much. green and brown. And I you are talking about painting more green and brown. That's what I do. <laughs> I mean, my other... My I'm going to get you green and brown for your birthday. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my others are like, you know, green and blue or uh, blue and yellow. But, um, yeah, so I got that done, and then... Uh, those ones I did pretty quick, and then I got a winter troll done with like so that experiment of uh, of inks and a uh, medium and nice painting that guy up. Nice, nice. Well, I just recently started and basically finished my mortarian that I was that I was painting. Hey Um It was done over the course of a couple of nights. Uh, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. I need to do a little bit more painting on the base and then get some uh, and some technical paint or some. Yeah, one of the technical paints from GW that uh, dries so it looks like wet mud that I'm going to put down around the base so it looks like it's in like this very dank and dirty like cave, pretty much. Um, but he's basically done. I uh, put the wash on him last night, did the, or the other day. Um, wash on him, hit the, dry brush the highlights for like his, the, uh, the wood shaft of his uh, site that he's carrying and some other things. Um, so he's pretty much done as far as other things that I'm working on. I've got the Harbinger Shard for Monster Apocalypse that I need to paint for the store because I've been staring at it for too long. Um, I really should get back to work on painting my circle stuff. I've just been avoiding it because I painted a bunch of thar or some Tharn things and I just keep looking at all of the <laughs> Tharn stuff that I have to keep painting and I just don't, I'm tired of doing that paint scheme right now. Um, so, and that's the majority of kind of what I have left. Um, I don't have any commission stuff that I'm working on currently. Um, my last, my client that I did the Brenda Boys and the Noise Marine 4 was very happy with them. He picked them up over this weekend. He was very happy with how they turned out. And that, was a, nice. that was another actually interesting thing is trying to figure out. He told me he wanted them to be painted like Death Skulls. And so then I had to go and do some research about what that color scheme looked like and then kind of a, put a little twist on it with what I had available or what colors I thought would work well. And, but green skins and blue face paint, basically. And, okay. And then some white accents. Um, yeah, those ones turned out pretty good. Nice. Nice. I uh, picked up a, 
an archangel, yeah. and it, there were some broken pieces on it, and so I um, did some repair on that and sculpted uh, some small parts of it in green stuff, and so that is currently drying, and then when it's dry, I'll probably prime it and and start to put some paint on it. How's your desert hydro coming? Uh, my desert hydra is sad because it's looking at the archangel and going, um, su being super jealous because you're like, oh, you have a new toy. Mm. Um, but you're right; I probably should finish the desert yeah, hydra. Um, Especially like, yeah. if, you're, if you're halfway there, just knock out the rest of it. Yeah, that's a good call. And uh, I, I'm currently painting another carnivian, so um, maybe I should stop that and finish the desert hydra. <laughs> Um, I've got some Warriors of Chaos um, that need some repair and some paint, and so I'm kind of looking at those. And then uh, I got um, at the uh, event in Salem, I won 10 bucks in store credit, and so I picked up the Statue of Liberty and Sweet. promptly broke her at the, <sighs> at the wrist. At the wrist. Yep. And so I didn't even, on my way up to the register, for some weird reason, I dropped the box, and it just broke right there yeah and it was salt was it, I mean, was yeah. it broke did you look to see if it was broken beforehand it was not broken okay and so we, we had that problem yeah. we got four of them in and two of them i mean they came in bubble wrap but two of them were broken yeah. at the wrist already it's a very very weak contact point but yeah so small dremel and a pin you should be able to get it um i uh put some good paint i'm using gorilla glue which i'm really confident in and so i did not do any drilling Okay. And so we'll see how it goes. But I'm going to put some primer on that, some paint on that. I'm going to paint that one with contrast paint. Uh, so it should, I should do it really quickly. Okay, um, I should have that done this week. So, um, But that'll be my first painted Monpoc model. But, All right. But yeah, that's, those are Did things. Did you get your other stuff assembled? Your other Monpoc stuff? No. Get it assembled. Come on. I'm okay. You were lamenting about not I know. having your own Monpoc stuff assembled. I know. Well, now I've got two games in this point. week. So now I'm inspired to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ozzy and I had a really good uh, hobby day yesterday, um, and so he was working on some, he built two feculent Naromas, and then he also built um, the uh, the Fire Slayer version of Endless Spells. They actually don't have Endless Spells, they have something else, I can't remember what they're called, but they had, it's, it's essentially the same idea um, for, for Age of Sigmar, so, and so he's really proud of himself, and, uh, and wants to put them on the table now, so... <laughs> But, um, okay, well, we have some events coming up. We just want to highlight real quick. We have the Oblivion Masters League. It actually starts August 7th. Are you guys going to participate in that? I'm, I'm already signed up. Nice. I was the first one signed up. Nice. If you guys are not signed up, I think we're only at about 10, and Ben is yeah. shouting for more people, so I'm going to. But yeah, I'm going to as well. Um, and the, the question is, is Oz. Last time I think he participated. Yeah. So I'm going to ask him. I'm going to give him the choice. So uh, he'll probably say yes, because that's what he does. But yeah. um, I just haven't asked him, which is why I haven't personally signed up yet, because yeah. I usually sign us both up at the same time. i got to figure out what I'm going to play. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Circle, because I, uh, I think I'm actually going to not get into Infernals. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's too much other stuff that I want to buy. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so I was looking at the Oblivion uh, theme forces, mm -hmm. and specifically I was looking at the requisition points mm -hmm. and there are some themes in scorn that i don't have the models to fulfill the requisition mm -hmm. some of those requisition options yeah. i actually have more legion than i do scorn yeah. 
And so I'm probably going to play Legion for the Masters. (laughs) Which is weird. I've never really built, you know. So anyway, I feel like I'm going back on a promise I made myself in January when I said, this is the year of scorn. And then Oblivion drops. And I keep looking, I keep building lists, and then I also keep, um, oh shoot, that reminds me now, like, I'm not going to be able to put the Primal Archon in any of my lists. I've made some fun lists with like one or two of them. Yeah. That model looks cool. Well, I made, yeah. a really, made a really interesting, uh, I think, Devourer's Host list with Chromac 1, three heavies, and two Primal Archons. Nice. But I want to play, and it's not out until like. October? October. October, yeah. yeah. August or August well, or October. I'm probably going to run no. Archangel on like every list. I think it's September. It's the Archangel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have the NorCal Classic coming up um, uh, August 9th and 11th. I'm doing too much traveling this summer. There's no way I'm going down there. So, and especially with the changes of with Oblivion, I just don't I just don't feel prepared to do I something that big. I think yeah. it would have needed to be registered by now. Oh, definitely, for sure. But I just wanted to talk about it because... I, I want to, you know, I love that stuff. Uh, we also have a steamroller on August 31st at Mox and Bellevue. And I am, and Oz and I are going to that. Uh-huh. So I've already registered. Is that a Saturday? And it's a Saturday, yeah. So we're probably going to, we're probably going to drive up Friday, stay the night with my grandma, and then, um, and then play the three rounds. They guaranteed three rounds. And so that means I can be home at a reasonable time on Saturday night, which is good because I work on Sunday, so... Um, the, you know, the next day. So it'll be, it'll be good. So. Yeah, and James's monthly steamroller is happening next Saturday. On the 4th. <coughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to be, or it's 5th. No. 6th? No, it's the... Oh, it's a Saturday. It's this coming... No, I'm sorry. It's this coming Sunday the 3rd. Sunday the 3rd. Okay. It should be the 3rd. It's okay. We don't know what it is. It's this weekend. First or second weekend of the. Uh, nope, sorry, Sunday the fourth. Sunday, Sunday the fourth. That's why it's confused because yeah. they yeah. can say to come back on the third. Yeah, I'm gonna be in San Francisco, so I won't be able to play in it. But Rude. I know I've been traveling a lot this summer. Yeah. So it's been it's been really good for the family and for me. But um, we're gonna wrap up here. I wanted to give a shout out real quick to Gadzooks Gaming. Uh, they're an online online retailer. And they specialize in gaming supplies and terrain as well as uh, they can do 3D um, printing. They can actually do special orders on 3D prints. So I know some of our guys in the community want something 3D printed and some local guys can do it but may or may not want to kind of thing. But here's an option for you if you're willing to pay for it. You can go to Gadzoots Gaming um, for that. The re- I'm just shouting them out real quick because I actually made a pre-order with them a long time ago for some product that's coming out. And they um, chose to break up the order into two different shipments, which means I got the stuff that was available when it became available. And the stuff that's being held back, they're going to send it um, later. And in addition to that, they actually threw in um, a free piece of terrain. And so I've got this gorgeous looking 3D printed um, tree stump. And it's like vertically standing. It's going to it'll fit in almost any fantasy kind of setting. Um, yeah. And we play a lot of fantasy games, so Frostgrave, you know, Age of Sigmar, that kind of thing. Um, and so I just want to shout them out real quick, um, just because I got I got excellent customer service. Um, I don't get paid for that for that shout out, um, but uh, you know, I just want to just want to you know let people know about them. So that's all really. And then we also want to do 
uh, thank you over here, right? Yeah, for uh, yeah, TysonFigurePainters.com. Um, had an issue with some smoke trails for Crystal Guard because, you know, it's one more army I need. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. Or we already have it. Right, well, I, I mean, I have it. I haven't really played it, though. Yeah. Maybe I should play that in Masters. But anyway... Hey, um, that's a good idea. So, uh, so some of the smoke trails and the, the mold lines weren't that great, you know, or they, it seemed like there was a mold issue. There was holes in them and so forth. So I took some pictures, sent it to them. Within a day or two, he responded back like, hey, yeah, it looks like a bad one. Give me your address. I'll send you a new new set, you know, no real awesome. questions or anything like that. You know, and I ended up buying some stuff from him anyway, and then he shipped them all together. That's great. You know, but yeah, Tyson at Figure Painters? Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Hey, uh, thanks for listening to our show today. Um, we love to hear more from our listeners, so feel free to give us a message on our Discord channel, or you can email us at spellstoreminiatures at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to support us, you can do that by telling your friends about us. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, and uh, you can leave a positive review on iTunes. And uh, we just want to inspire you to play more games. So go out and roll some dice. Bing, 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 bing,